I'd ask you to open your Bibles with me this morning as we're going to be in the second chapter of the book of Luke. And if, uh, if you have a Bible, I'd invite you to bring it with you every week. Because every week, we're going to be somewhere in the Gospels over the, next, uh, over the next year. We're going to be learning about Jesus as we continue our focus on the life of Christ. And if you don't have a Bible with you, there's always some right back here at the table, the table right outside. So pick one up, use it, you can put it back there and it can be there for next week. Or if you don't have a Bible at home, take one of those home with you. Because I want to make sure that you do have a, a Bible so that we can study from the Word of God. So let's open our Bibles this morning to Luke chapter 2. And it's going to be helpful to keep your finger there because we're going to move back and forth between Luke chapter 2 and Matthew chapter 1 this morning as we celebrate and we continue looking and studying in the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, in a message that I have titled, What Happens When Jesus? On the very first Christmas, the day that baby Jesus was born, there was a deep need in our world for a Savior. And as a matter of fact, there has been a deep need in our world for a Savior going all the way back to the Garden of Eden. As much as we like to celebrate Christmas with the wonderful, joyous themes that the season brings, like snowflakes and, and maybe flocks of sheep and, and a heavenly hosts of angels and wise men and camels and beautiful stars in the sky, the entirety of the Christmas story was given to us for a very specific reason. It was given to us to solve the biggest problem of all time. See, Christmas isn't just a season. Christmas is a solution. This morning, we're going to be taking a deep dive into the Christmas story, and we're going to see exactly what happens when Jesus... We're going to see what happens when Jesus comes into this world because everything that happened that night, everything that happened in Bethlehem was all for a reason. That very first Christmas more than 2,000 years ago. See, Jesus might be the reason for the season, but more than that, he is a solution to a delusion. He is a, a solution to this delusion that we could get to heaven on our own, and we can't. See, yes, on Christmas Sunday this morning, as we celebrate, we are going to read the Christmas story. But we're going to see that the message of the manger isn't necessarily found simply in a, in a, in a pile of hay. It's not simply found in, in swaddling clothes but rather the message of the manger is found hanging on the cross of Calvary. Amen? Amen? The story of our Savior, it doesn't start in a manger and it doesn't end on a cross, but rather it permeates every aspect of our lives. And whether you're a believer in Jesus Christ or not, I want you to know something that Jesus Christ is a believer in you. That Jesus Christ is a lover of your soul. That He is still born in a manger. And that He still died for your sins on the cross. That the message of the manger 
It's not just one night. It's not just an evening in the cold. But the message of the manger lives in our hearts. Why don't we take a trip back to Nazareth? It's a town of Nazareth in an area called Galilee about 2,000 years ago. I want you to come with me to Luke chapter 2, and we're going to be starting now in verse number 1. The doctor and historian Luke writes this in chapter 2, verse 1. He says, In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph always also went up from Galilee to the town of Nazareth to Judea, the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. These first seven verses set the scene of the Christmas story. They, they put us in a place, and now everything that happens in the story between the, the rest of chapter 2 in Luke and then in, in chapter 1 of Matthew happens off of this setting. We see in the verse, first seven verses, baby Jesus was born, and now I want you to see what happens when Jesus comes into this world. Because everything that happens from this point forward, even in our own lives, everything happens because of Jesus. Follow me back. We're in Luke chapter 2. We're in verse number 8. And in the same region, region there were shepherds out in their field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were feel, filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is well pleased this is such an amazing piece of scripture it not only shows us what happens on earth when Jesus is born and when he comes into our lives but it shows us an amazing heavenly celebration I want you to write this down. This is point number one in your notes this morning. For those of you joining us for the first time, you'll find on, in your bulletin on the right-hand side, left-hand side rather, some fill-in-the-blanks, and I'm going to give you those fill-in-the-blanks, and you can write those down if you need a pen. They're back on the back table. Point number one in your notes this morning, when Jesus comes into your life, heaven sings. Can you imagine that? When Jesus comes into our world, heaven sings. When he comes into your life, heaven sings. When Jesus was born, heaven rejoiced. See, the angels, they knew that there was now a way of salvation for every single person on earth. There was now going to be an atoning sacrifice for the sin of everyone on earth. See, when Jesus was introduced to the world, when the baby was born, heaven rang out with joy. 
And the ones who saw that concert were lowly shepherds. Now, I don't know if you know much about shepherds. Shepherds, they're not royalty. They're not men who really had come from an area. They didn't come from middle income. They're not typically well-educated. They're not wealthy at all. They, they, they actually they don't shower regularly. Shepherds kind of stink, honestly. As, as a group of guys that, you know, they work out in the fields all the time. They're working with animals a lot. But these are the men, these are the ones that God and the angels make this grand announcement to. It's shepherds out in their field. The angels in heaven are going to start an amazing celebration. I want you to imagine life of one, as one of, these, one of these angels for a moment. They've been in heaven with Jesus before. They know, because they've been with God, they know that there's a struggle for men, for man to come to God. They know there's a separation because of sin. And they've seen man on earth drift from God. Angels are created to worship God. That's what they do. That's what they're really good at, is worshiping God. The angels didn't come and sing in front of shepherds that day just to make a joyful noise to draw attention to themselves. No, they came and made a joyful noise. They came and celebrated the fact that the Messiah has come. The one, the way that we all get to heaven, now there's an atoning sacrifice on earth for all of us. And the angels are rejoicing because of that. See, God's action plan is now in place. The angels know that you and I don't have to keep living to make it on our own. They know so much more than we do at this moment in time. Why are they rejoicing? They're rejoicing because you and I now have an opportunity to accept this gift that this child brings and spend eternity in heaven with our Lord and Savior and with our Maker. And the angels know that. Isn't that something to rejoice? Don't we rejoice as Christians every time that somebody that we know in our family comes to faith in Jesus Christ? Don't we rejoice? Of course the angels rejoice because they know that now they can spend eternity in heaven with you and I. Wow, that's what they've been waiting for. They know how important this child is. See, Jesus being born is only the solution. The goal, the goal of, 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 the, of this, this whole birth is now to bring you and I and everyone since then in harmony with God and to create this bridge. It's that, that the angels just desperately rejoice because they see what's about to happen. They see what's coming. They know. So does it make sense for the angels to rejoice because a child has been born? Of course it does. Absolutely. And this isn't the first time that the angels have rejoiced on earth. That's what they do. They're really good at this. 
It's like a party out there in this field where the shepherds are. It's like lots of noise, lots of lights, lots of good times. I'm sure the neighbors are looking to, for a phone numbers to call the cops. Like, what's this big commotion that's going on out there in the field? We don't know what this is. Can you send some? Right? It's a, it's a, it is the very first Christmas party going on out there in the field. It's that party. It's that Christmas party. You know the shepherds were talking about it on Monday when they came back to work, right? It's like that kind of Christmas party, right? You've got the angels that are rejoicing. I want you to see that they've done this before, that they rejoice a lot. Psalm 19, verse number one says this, the heavens declare the glory of God and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. It's common for angels to rejoice at God's work. What God does, the angels sing. And we see the angels even rejoice more than this today. We mentioned it a minute ago. Every time someone comes to Christ, the angels are back at the noise. They're back at the celebration. Luke tells us this in Luke 15, verse number 10. He says this, Jesus says, Just so I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. You think that celebration that the angels took part in that night was just because of baby Jesus? No, it's because of you and I. Every time a sinner repents, the angels go into celebration mode again. If you can imagine the type of celebration that was going on at the field where the shepherds were with all of these angels, that same celebration happened when you found Jesus. That same kind of celebration. You think about it. Heavens rejoice for you. And heavens looking forward to rejoicing for everyone who you know that hasn't yet found that faith in Jesus. There's a party waiting to happen. Invitations are ready to be sent out the punch is made. Everything is ready. The angels are ready to celebrate. What does that mean, though, for you and I? It means that this angelic celebration that we read about in the Bible that happened for Jesus when, 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 when he was born, it happened for you when you were born again. For the shepherds that night, of course, it would be fair to say that they're going to have a reaction to what they just saw, right? I mean, what just happened? This isn't like any normal night at work for them. There's a little bit of a, a difference between what's gone on last week when they were out there in the fields and what just happened. So I want you to see what happens in the lives of, of people when Jesus comes into the world. Come back with me. We're in Luke chapter 2. We are in verse number 15. Luke chapter 2, verse number 15. It says, When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste, and they found Mary and Joseph, and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told to them concerning this child. And all who had heard it and wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all of these things, and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. 
See, a few minutes ago, these shepherds were sitting on the rocks in the field. In the middle of the field, in the middle of the night. And they're protecting some of the dumbest animals in the face of the earth. Animals that will get lost. They will trip over their own shadow. These animals need protection. And that's what these men were doing. But now, these men have become the very first missionaries. They have a job. They would have dropped their staffs right there in the field, left their sheep, went now to find the baby Jesus. And I want you to know something so important about the effect on these men and how it changed their life. What they saw that night, what they heard that night, and what happened when they, went to, when they went to find Jesus that night? It was a drastic change in their life because they saw Jesus. Write this down. It's point number two in your notes this morning. What happens when Jesus comes into your life is you develop a deep hunger to tell others. It's coming up here to the screen. I know it is. It's coming in a moment. There it is. When Jesus comes into your life, you develop a deep hunger to tell others. Verse 17 says this, and when they saw it, that's the baby Jesus, they made known for they made known the saying that had been told to them concerning the child. And then in verse number 18 it says, and all who heard it wondered what the shepherds told them. Of course they wondered, wouldn't you? Of course people wondered. This verse indicates that the there's shepherds, they saw angels, that they, they heard them sing, they followed the instructions of the angels, and, the, and they went and saw the baby Jesus, and then immediately they went and started to tell other people what they saw. You think about everything that they had just seen, and now these men are going to go into town. Everyone knows them as shepherds. Everyone knows they're the guys that work out in the field. Don't you think that some of the people that the shepherds go and tell didn't want to listen to what the shepherds had to say? Think about it. Of all of the reasons not to listen to somebody tell you about Jesus, I think the quote, oh, whoa, you smell like sheep? <laughs> you know, I, I think that is actually the first objection to not wanting to hear the story of Jesus. You're like, yeah, I'd listen to you, but you really smell bad. Yeah don't really think I want you around. It's like the first objection to somebody telling their story about Christ, right? Verse 20 says, Then the shepherds returned to the fields, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen as it had been told, for them, told to them. They were full of joy. They were rejoicing. No longer were they simply watching sheep at night, but now they were the first messengers to tell others about the light, about Jesus, about what they had just seen. If shepherds, guys who are the lowest on the status level of the hierarchy of coolness in their town, if shepherds can go and tell this story to others, I think we can do the same thing, can't we? I think we can do the exact same thing. I wonder what our reaction was or will be 
When we have or had that first connection with Jesus, what was your first reaction? What will your first reaction be? When Jesus touches your heart for the very first time, when we realize that giving our lives to Him is what we were made to do, that He is our only hope, what happens in our heart? See, when we don't let our status dictate who we can talk to about Jesus, then we can talk to anyone about Jesus. When we don't, when we don't, let, when we don't let culture divide us from who we can talk to, then we can talk to anybody. As a matter of fact, we're told to talk to everyone. When I was a sophomore in high school, I wasn't one of the... I wasn't really one of the cool kids in school. I was very aware of the ladder of awesomeness in my school, and, and I was closer to, I could see the bottom rung. I, I really wasn't like anyone. So those, Ty Henderson was at the top, and, and there was Ben Powers was, was up there, and, and, uh, and Patrick Duffy was, was one of the star football players, and, and, and Leslie Davis was a, was a cheerleader, and, and Jim, anyone know these guys? Anyone know these people from your school? You know, there's a, uh, okay, so you don't know them exactly. If you don't, then maybe you're at the top of the ladder, right? Right? I wasn't at the bottom either, but I knew where I was in the pecking order of high school. It was the very first day of school in my sophomore year, and I remember that in English class, fourth period, Mr. McLean was our teacher, and he had gone around the room, and it was that, that really easy intro question to the first day of school. He asked, what was the most exciting thing that happened over your summer vacation? I was in fourth period, and it happened a couple of periods before I got to class, I think second period. Most of the kids, like myself, we had something to say. You just come up with something. Oh, I went and spent summer with Grandma, or I went on vacation with, with my family. We went to the lake, or, or, you know, oh, I went roller skating for my birthday party, and you know, you just have some answers that you throw out just to get through the, just to get around the entire classroom. But about two periods before I got there, by the time I got to class, it was already widely known throughout the entire school that one of the kids at the top of the ladder had made an amazing announcement. See, when you're at the bottom of the ladder, you make an announcement, it doesn't get around the school. But when Patrick Duffy, who was on the very top of the ladder, made an announcement, when it got around to him, he said, this summer I gave my life to my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Sophomore year in high school. Sophomore year in high school. I'll tell you, I'm not the only one 25 years later to remember that. Patrick met Jesus Christ that summer. He did exactly what the shepherds did. He had to go and tell somebody. He told somebody in English class that made it through the entire school. It wasn't just second period that he was in. By fourth period, I knew about it. By the end of the day, everyone knew that Patrick had found Jesus that summer. I can tell you that there were 30, 13 to 14 year old kids in that class that were in shock in that classroom that day that Patrick made this announcement. But in heaven, undoubtedly, there was a great multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest. There was an amazing party in heaven that day. 
See, that's what happens when Jesus comes into your life is He opens your mouth to tell others you cannot stay silent anymore. I want you to look what happened when Jesus sent out the disciples in Mark chapter 16. <clears throat> Verse number 20, it says, and they went out and they preached everywhere. When Andrew met Jesus in John chapter 1, verse 41, it says, But first, Andrew found his brother, Simon, and he said to him, We have found the Messiah, which means Christ. Look what happens when Jesus met the woman at the well. In John chapter 4, verse 29, she says, Come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Can this be the Christ? See, there's a deep joy that comes from knowing Jesus and having this deep personal relationship with them. This baby in a manger is more than simply a child giggling and kicking and rolling around in a pile of hay. He is the one that will take stripes for us. He's the one that takes this penalty that we deserve. Because the wages of our sin, what we earn on our own, our paycheck is death, right? It's not an amazing Christmas story. The amazing Christmas story is that God sent a child, sent a Savior, sent an atoning sacrifice for us so we don't have to face death. We accept this gift that has been given to us in the manger. And when we walk up, when we walk up and it's our turn, Christ is the payment for our sins. That's the gift that was given to us on Christmas morning. See, nothing happens out of this original Christmas story by accident. There's this piece of Scripture. There's this piece of Scripture at the end of the Christmas story that gets overlooked constantly. It's one of my favorite parts of the story. It's a very important piece of Scripture. And it tells us what happens when Jesus makes himself known to somebody who has actually been looking for him. In this instance, it's a man named Simeon who's been in the city of Jerusalem. And this story takes place eight days after Jesus is born. I want you to follow me back into Luke chapter 2. We're in verse number 22. Luke writes this. And when the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him, this is Mary and Joseph bringing Jesus, up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him, and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he, Simeon, took him up in his arms and he blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For I have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. 
This is just an amazing story that, that is placed at the end of our Christmas story that shows us something so important. It's the third point in your notes this morning. When Jesus comes into your life, your heart recognizes its maker. When Jesus comes into your life, your heart recognizes its maker. Here's a man who had lived his whole life and is in Jerusalem at this moment. Simeon is in an area where people are coming and they're bringing children. Every firstborn male has to come. It would have been common for Simeon to see baby boys with their parents walking around this city all the time. Every day, there would have been a couple with baby boys. There's baby boys coming to town, coming to the temple all the time. But this man's been told by God, you're not going to die until you see my salvation, until you see the Messiah. See, the heart of Simeon recognized its maker this day. I don't know. You walk into a hospital... There's baby boys that are born all the time. Every mom could say, oh yeah, I could pick my child out. Of a hundred baby boys, I can pick out mine. If you see baby boys every day, what makes this one different? What makes this one different is that this one, this one is the creator of the world. Simeon's heart recognized its maker. See, what makes Christmas Day different than any other birthday of any other child in the world it's because this day is different because this one child was born for you and i simeon knew it simeon recognized this this baby boy was different than all of the other ones see jesus is so much different from everything else in your life so much different from whatever it is that we're trying to do to get to good on our own. So much different from our job. So much different from our marriage, from our household, from our kids. So much different from whatever it is that we've tried to create. Because He's the only one that brings hope. He's the only one that brings an answer. He's the only one that was there before the world was created. He's the only one that died on a cross for your sins. See, when your heart is without Jesus, your heart cries out, just crying for its maker. This creator of all things is the one that our heart's going to recognize. Deep inside, our heart's our hearts do cry out. It's like a child yearning for his mother or father. It's those moments when, when you think about that and you start thinking about life after death, you know you put that thought off a lot. You don't want to think about it. But when you do, it's that moment that you don't have that answer. That's your heart crying out. It's that moment when we can't find peace in our life. That's your heart crying out. It's that moment when, when we can look at other people around us and wonder what's different in their life and we see Jesus in them. That's our heart crying out. 
What's different? Jesus. That's what's different. And that's your heart crying out. I know that many of you have probably been in the same exact situation that I've been in numerous times, that situation when you're rushing out the door. You've got to be at work at 8, and you leave every day at the same time. You leave the house about 7.30. You go through the same routine. You get out the door, you pull the door, you go to the car, and you notice that something is wrong. Right away you know this. And everything starts going through your head right away. You get in, you reach into your pocket, you shuffle around a little bit, and you've lost your keys. You ever lose your keys? I know you've lost your keys, right? And you do the same thing that I do. You walk back to the door, you put your hand on the doorknob, and then you remember before you left the door, you twisted that thing on your way out the door, right? And now you know that door's locked. And everything starts going through your mind right now. So you start going around the back of the house and you're wiggling the screen, right? Try and get that screen off because you're all dressed for work now, but you've got to crawl, try and get a window open to crawl into the house. You finally get into that house and you're lifting up the cushions, right? You're going to look by the hook on the door. By the door, you're looking out the nightstand. You're looking in the laundry room, the bathroom. You even open up the refrigerator to see, like, I know I got milk this morning. I wonder if I put my keys in there. And then once you do all of that, what do you do? You do it all again, right? You look at the same places. For 20 minutes, you're looking in the same places for your keys. You go to the door, you unlock the door, you go back out to the car, you try the door again, you try and get in. You look inside the car, you're looking everywhere. You start sending a text message to your boss. You're not going to tell your boss why you're going to be late. You're not going to tell him you lost your keys. You're going to tell them, look, yeah, I'm going to be there 20 minutes, looking in the same places, retracing your steps. You're thinking, where did I go last night when I got out of the car? And you get so discouraged that you just end up leaning up against the wall, right? You just lean up against the wall. You kind of just slouch down. And then you feel something jabbing you in the back. Right? And you reach around into your back pocket and you pull out this set of keys. Right? And you know what goes through your mind right now? It's this moment of relief. That's what it's like when your heart comes back to Jesus. When you just found your keys, everything now, <clears throat> there's hope for everything. You know you can lock the door on your way out because you know you've got your car keys. You know you can get to work. You know that you're going to be late, but you're still going to get there. You know that you can get home. First thing you have to do is go put the screen back in the window. But there's hope. See, all morning long, you've been looking for something that you know, you're familiar with. Whether you know it or not, your heart knows Jesus because Jesus created your heart. He knows you better than you know you. And when you come back to Jesus, your heart rejoices because it just found hope. It found relief. It found that opportunity to know that it's been saved and that it can move on with its life now because you have found the keys to life again. Ladies and gentlemen, what happens when Jesus comes into your heart is that your heart feels like it's coming home because it is. 
Because your heart has found its peace. Simeon had been waiting his entire life to meet the Savior of this world. And all of a sudden, he sees an eight-day-old baby and he knows this is it. All of a sudden, someday, your heart found Jesus and you knew this is it. Maybe your heart hasn't found Jesus yet. But let me tell you, preparations are already there. The invitations to the heavenly party are all ready to be sent out. Everything is, is ready to go. You might not know where your keys are, but God does. Christmas is such a wonderful time of the year, and I know this week that we're going to celebrate, and, and, and there's still wrapping to be done, and there's trees to decorate if they're not done already, and there's, I know you've put up all of your lights already. I know it's late for that, right? But as Christians, we try and keep in the back of our head, and sometimes we've got to fight to remember this, that this entire season is all about Jesus. Our entire season is all about Jesus, and our world doesn't know that. See, our world likes to take Christmas and twist it. It likes to take Christmas and make it this man-made holiday. It's as if the world is trying to find something in Christmas that satisfies their soul without looking to Jesus. And I'll tell you what happens. When you try and, when you try and take when you tie and, and take a holiday like Christmas and celebrate it without Jesus, you just have another day. Christmas without Jesus is called Tuesday. That's all it is. It's just another day. But Christmas with Jesus is an amazing celebration of what God gave us. The one that so many people ask for every Christmas there's something on, a, on the top of a lot of people's list. If you ask, what's your, what's your Christmas wish this year? It's an unselfish wish. What is it? There's a lot of people that ask for the same thing. It's something that you can't make. It's something that you can't sing enough to create. It's something that, that you can't wish hard enough for. It's something that you can't work hard enough for. There's something that you can't be joyful enough for this time of year. Write this down, the final point in your notes this morning. When Jesus comes into your life... Your Lord brings peace on earth. When Jesus comes into your life, your Lord brings peace on earth. You think, well, pastor, I've been a Christian for 20 years, 25 years. There's still wars going on and, you know, there's not really peace on earth. What is that? What does that mean? Peace is so amazing. Peace here, peace, the idea of peace, it's different for everyone, honestly. It's the fact that deep inside, there is no peace if we don't know Jesus, amen? Only Jesus could bring that peace into our world. Only Jesus can bring peace into our heart. See that rustling of your heart? That, that uneasiness? That happens throughout life, day after day after day. It's that distance from the calm that you live in because there's a lack of peace because there's a distance from Christ. The angels 
The angels proclaim peace on earth and goodwill towards men, but it was only because Jesus is now on earth. See, Jesus aren't coming to proclaim peace on earth for any other reason. They're proclaiming because of Jesus. See, Christmas is what happens when Jesus... The birth of our Lord and Savior is what happens. The salvation that He brings is what happens. The gift that He is is what happens because He is. Simply because He is. Peace is what happens when your heart recognizes its Maker. Peace is what happens when we stop fighting the idea that we can get to heaven on our own, that we can be good enough. Peace is what happens when we realize that our heart was made to be in peace and to be tied to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Peace is what happens when we recognize that Christmas isn't about the baby in the manger, but rather it points to our Savior on the cross. It's a peace that comes into our life. It's a peace that comes into our soul. When we recognize that there was a gift given to us on Christmas, this gift is a gift that allows us to spend our eternal life with Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior in heaven, the one who has gone ahead of us to prepare a place for us. If it wasn't so, He would have told us. He told us so. I have gone to prepare a place for you. I've gone to prepare a mansion for you. That the angels are getting ready to celebrate for you. That there is a party that is ready to happen for you. I pray this morning that if you haven't accepted this gift that was given to all of mankind on Christmas morning, that this morning that you would accept Jesus Christ is your personal Lord and Savior because there is a peace that comes with knowing Jesus, with Him recognizing our hearts and our hearts recognizing Him. This season, it's not a gift that we give, but it's a gift that we accept. We know that Christmas leads us to the cross, but the cross leads us to Jesus. This morning I'd ask for, i just ask for you to bow your head with me. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I would just ask that you would pray for, for those in your life, those in your world, those who you know, or maybe it's your own soul this morning that, maybe it's your own heart that desperately has been waiting to know its Savior. I know that there's some here this morning who have been praying for somebody in your home for so long. 
I can tell you now, there's not a single soul in this room that Jesus doesn't want to celebrate in heaven with. That, that there's not a soul here that we, don't, that we don't want to enjoy eternity with. There's not a soul in our city. It's our job as Christians to go out into our go out into the countryside and to tell the good news of Jesus Christ to everyone. The angels did. And what the shepherds did is they went and they told everyone and they celebrated. 